BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV, and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Life-changing moments, life-changing people. Because on With Wit, very little is off-limits. My guest today is Kat Sadler, host of the amazing podcast Naked with Kat Sadler. Kat Sadler is a three-time Emmy-winning journalist with 20 years on-air experience. She is well-renowned for her work on E! Entertainment, where she spent more than a decade contributing to E! News, E! News Weekend, Daily Pop, Life for Me, and a myriad of network specials. I met her recently while I guested on her podcast. She is one of the most personal people I've ever met, and I felt so comfortable speaking with her as soon as we sat down. I am so excited to speak with her today. Here is Kat. We're reuniting. We're reuniting. I was saying a little more corporate, a little more sterile than sitting in your bedroom. <laughs> but nobody knows the difference. When, I mean, I guess suppose they can know the difference when they're listening, but totally. I guess you could say we're anywhere. No, that's very true. You know? But there is something to be said about like layers coming off when you step into someone's home and really feel like you're in their bedroom, in their living room, like having a real conversation. Yeah, I do think so. I mean, that was kind of the point when I was creating the whole thing was because I've done this, you know, for so many years, like the mics and the formal interview. So I wanted it to be a lot more loose. A lot more cozy. Yeah. So when you moved to LA, what was your first job here? Well, I came to LA when I was 21. I just graduated college, but not with the job. So I had already been working in local news in Indianapolis Mm -hmm. as a part-time general assignment reporter, but not doing entertainment and not doing lifestyle, not doing features. It was really hard on me and I didn't like it. I mean, I like telling stories. I liked writing. I liked producing, but I didn't like covering fires and right. and doomsday and I blood. You know, if it bleeds, so it leads. Yeah, all the yeah. time. And trying to me. look for it too, yeah. like look for those scary oh, stories. Yes, like, horrible. It just sounds like a. Some people are obviously genius at that, right. and they're cut out for it, and they're wired that way. Right. I was not. Okay. So my best friend who knew me very well had graduated a year ahead of me from IU, and she was living out here in Santa Monica, and she was like, you be long hair. Oh, my God, Kat. Because I'd never even been to L.A. I'd never been to California. Crazy. And she's like, this is where you belong. And she gave me one. <laughs> God love you, Molly Palmatier. She was like, come sleep on my couch. Come live on my couch. Quit your, like, local TV job and just mm-hmm. come. You'll mm-hmm. never get this chance again. Good for you. My mom's like, are you insane? You know, everyone's against it. I even had an agent 
at that time from New York, which was also, that's kind of a long story, but he was like, just sit tight. We'll get you a job. Like, don't quit your job and right. move like, and live on any rash decisions. Yeah. yeah. But it was calling me, you yes. know, it was calling me. And so I was like, you know what? I'm never going to have this time again. I'm never going to be 21 again. Like, just come. So to answer your question, what was my first job? I was a cocktail waitress. Yeah. At very Vanderpump Rules uh, of you. So much. Yeah. I think this place closed down, but you would know this because you're from here. But yeah. uh, there was a cocktail bar named Madison's on the campus at UCLA. Do you oh remember that? It was I, like right there in Westwood. Ugh. It's probably long gone. It was it on the campus or was it in Westwood it Village? It was in Westwood Village. Yes. Because I think that we could go there when we were in high school <gasps> because they weren't strict on IDs. Oh, that was me. Or at least we, I was serving you up. <laughs> <laughs> at least, I yeah. think we were like, at yeah. the very least, loitering outside of it. I, I feel like maybe it was that place. That is so funny. That's amazing. But I was a terrible cocktail waitress because all I wanted to do was like talk to people. And I would like, by the time they'd order their drink, I'd forget what they ordered. And I was <laughs> yeah. just like, I mean, but it was fine. It like really, it kind of immersed me into LA life. And yeah. I was going on random audition. I was just still kind of searching at that point. Like, mm-hmm. what do I want to do? I was going on random, like infomercial commercial auditions and all this stuff and like um VH1 was like at its prime and I was like trying all this stuff out but as fate would have it I was only here like two months and then my agent called with a job opportunity in San Francisco so for a real reporting job on the WB which at the time was huge so that was my first full-time job in television was at the WB in San Francisco and what were you doing there I was a entertainment reporter lifestyles features reporter and that was what I like to say was like my school. I was like entrenched in uh, television and reporting then because that was, I was booking all my own shoots and and all my own interviews. And like you said, scouring who to interview, why to interview them, doing my own hair and makeup, all my own glam, dressing myself. Totally scrounging. All of it. Editing. The whole hustle. That Mm -hmm. was definitely a good three years of hustling there. Well, it's necessary because I think a lot of people, like I was saying in your intro, know you from E, but they don't realize like how many years and how much experience you actually had, how much hard work you had to put in before you got kind yeah. of like this big break. So true. So obviously- I'm old, everybody. It's you like, are not. It's people, like, I mean, that's the truth. When you're like 20 years and I'm like, got it. <laughs> if she already has 20, yeah. Anyway, do the math. That's okay. I own it. Oprah right. says, like, own your number. If you don't, you, like, denounce your life's experience. And I really do try to to believe in that and live that. I think it's so important because you can't take it back. Yeah. There's no, no going no. back. And we're all going the same direction, exactly. just at a different time and in, in space. Exactly. So. And now a word from our sponsor. So skincare can be super overwhelming. There are so many people out there constantly trying to tell us what we should be using, but they don't really know us or know our skin. So I have found an amazing website called SkinSei, S-K-I-N-S-E-I.com. And you take a diagnostic test. It's a completely holistic diagnostic test that asks questions that tell us about how you eat, sleep, exercise, what city you live in, and they really help recommend the right routine for you. So for me specifically, 
one thing that they really responded to was my lack of hydration. They said my skin was likely dry because I don't drink enough water. It was really, really helpful for me because like not most people or websites that I'm ordering skincare from know that about me. So it just felt really good to have a website understand me. Plus you can also send in a selfie style picture of your face, which really gives them so much more information about what your skin type is like. So you take the quiz And then you get your bio print, which is your unique skin map. And it tells you where you need some extra love and where you're already shining. Then you get a personalized kit. There are hundreds of thousands of possible product combinations. The routine they recommend is totally unique to you. It's great. They are super affordable. They want skincare to be accessible. You guys should definitely check it out. Go to skinsay.com slash wit. That's S-K-I-N-S-E-I dot com slash wit on your mobile device and take their skin diagnostic and use the promo code wit for the discount. Now, the discount's amazing. It's 20% off your first order. So, Get started on skinsay.com slash wit and get 20% off your first order. Hi, I'm Ali Webb. And I'm Michael Landau. We're the founders of Drybar, which we started about 10 years ago. We are constantly hearing from budding entrepreneurs asking us for advice. This podcast is the place to go if you're an entrepreneur and want to start your own business. Subscribe to Raising the Bar so you don't miss a minute of the action and all the fun guests that we have. New episodes come out every Friday, anywhere you get your podcast fix. <laughs> Why are you laughing? It was good. This is your podcast. Subscribe to Raising the Bar. New episodes every Friday, wherever you get your podcast fix. And now back to our chat. So we all know you from E. I want to talk about just celebrity reporting in general mm-hmm. and your thoughts about it. I feel like... Nowadays, everybody opens up their lives, mostly everybody, besides like maybe super A-list celebrities, open up their lives on social media. And so things are often, you know, get out before an E! News or something actually even has access to it. How did it feel for you to be someone who was reporting these this kind of news? You know, like, did you ever feel like strange about it at all. You know what I mean? You mean about like being invasive and actually like digging for information about people? Yeah, like yeah. without without being too straightforward, yeah. you know, like how you felt about about that part of your job, you like know? Like kind of even ethically meaning? Yes, like, yeah. yes. That was hard for me. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because I also think it depends on where you work, who you work for, who yeah. even your bosses are and what they expect of you. Mm-hmm. Luckily, by the time I was at E, I was always really encouraged the art of the interview is important, you know, connect, of course. I was a mom. I think that had a lot to do with why they hired me mm-hmm. because at the time when I got D, it was like suddenly like motherhood was really embraced and it was like Angelina had 10 kids right. and Heidi Klum was having all these shows. Suddenly like the celebrity mom thing was really, it was new, honestly, right. and, and really celebrated. Mm-hmm. So for me personally, I was never required to really do anything too salacious yeah. or not that it didn't happen and not that on occasion, you know, I was told to, I'll give you an Ask example. Yeah. But I mean, I hated that in it. reality TV all yeah. the time. I, I sort of feel like just to put us on the same playing field, 
I get asked the same thing about reality TV. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, don't you feel like it's like a little bit cheesy or Mm -hmm. whatever, you know? And then you're like, but opening up my life and and sharing all these parts of me is a way for like other people to feel okay about certain things that they're going through that they don't want to show on on TV. So I feel like there's a similar thing between us that Mm -hmm. people may question, you know? But tell me the story you were going to tell me. Yeah, no, I totally hear what you're saying. Again, it's easy for people to write from a distance, just judge you or or why did she do that? And, you know, there's a million reasons why any one person decides to do what they do. And Mm -hmm. yes, you have to reconcile that for yourself at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. But I never felt... In all my years at E, 10 plus years, I never felt dirty about my job. Was I asked? Never came across that way. I may not have been the best at getting scoop, uh, right? Like, I remember when Heath Ledger died, Mm. tragically. Mm. And I remember I was interviewing, I think it was Kate Hudson, like the day after or shortly thereafter. And they had dated. And, you know, everybody, all these news outlets are trying to make any connection they can to get any soundbite they can. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think, you know— some producer had said, okay, here's a picture of Keith. And at the end of the interview, make sure you ask Kate. Like, it was just, it was too soon. And yeah. it was just like- Forced connection they wanted you to make that you felt uncomfortable That was making. like, exactly. Yeah. It was such a stretch and it felt yeah. so uncomfortable. And that sounds somewhat mild, but even that- disagrees with me and who Mm -hmm. I am. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't known for like, oh, she's getting exclusive scoop and breaking news and maybe even having all of these amazing relationships with celebrities to get us the story. take advantage of the story. But that was never my MO. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was never my MO. I would never even date an actor if that tells you anything. I was was already a mom. I had two kids. I think what fueled me was I loved in many ways like being on set every day, reporting the news. It's like performing. It's like a little like a Broadway. And I kind of liked bringing, it sounds a little silly, but some of more my naivete and my light and just like bringing that to an otherwise a pretty, like I said, dirty business. Totally. You know what I mean? No, 100%. I think what you did was like, because you made light of all of it mm-hmm. and it was so lighthearted and kind of jokey and you knew what you were doing, it didn't come across like you were attacking anyone or talking shit about people or gossiping. It was like reporting. It yeah. just so happened to be about celebrities, but like— I think that's the difference, too, about back then versus today— when you're on television and the group of people reporting on you guys from the hills or whomever it was and whatever the story of the day was, mm-hmm. when you're a public person, you can't get on TV and shit talk about no. people because you're going to see them tomorrow on a red carpet and right. they're going to tell you to F off right. and they're not going to give you an interview. And then, it, you know, you just spiral out of control. So there was always like, yes, we have to report things, but there's also, I think, a, a somewhat of a respect factor back then. But now, you know, the internet has opened it way up because all these people sit anonymously behind their keyboards bashing celebrities left and right Right. and judging and trolling and everything else that goes along with that. So the way entertainment news is reported today, I think is a little different. Right. So do you feel like relieved to be out of it? And I want Mm -hmm. you to also tell our listeners a little bit about the story, why -hmm. why you stopped working there. Yeah. So I had been there 12 years and I had picked up a second show. I was doing E! News at the time, but they, uh, the network was launching a morning show called Daily Pop, which was so exciting for me because it was two hours. It was live. It goes back to the, what I was saying about what really drives me mm-hmm. in in my work. And I was like, oh, wait, I can be 
on set and doing an interview one minute, and then I'm doing a workout segment the next minute, and I'm giving point of view on the day's, you know, news. It was so fun. I was on fire. I loved doing that show. It was kind of the show I'd always been waiting to do, but I was working really hard. Suddenly, I was coming in at 7 a.m. every day, so I was doing that show, and I was doing E! News at least three times a week. Mm -hmm. So my workload had essentially doubled, definitely Mm time-wise, and my contract was coming up at the end of that year, so this is like January or February. And an executive, a female executive, called a closed-door meeting with me. And she just, like, kind of—it was one of those, like, girl things, I believe, looking back, where she was just like, I want to give you a little heads up because I know your contract's coming up. But you are severely underpaid. You are severely underpaid. And she meant in regards to my counterpart. Right. Jason, I think, because right. this was literally, like, right before, you know, I was going on to news And mm-hmm. I, I think she saw how— tired I was. Mm -hmm. Honestly, looking back too, I was exhausted Mm -hmm. that year because I was working harder than ever, but I was loving what I did. And I had never— She unjust it was. I had never even thought about, oh, what do I make versus what they make? And Mm -hmm. I know that sounds so naive now Mm -hmm. looking back, but even then, now almost three years ago when I got the information, I was like, it didn't even dawn on me to ask. And then I did my digging and my due diligence and found out that in fact she was right. And I got confirmation that he was making more than double than me. And by the way, unbelievable. because also he and I were very good friends mm-hmm. and he was very open with me. And by the way, I love, because people always ask me now, they're like, what can men do? What can we as men do to be allies, to help women get what they deserve? Just be honest. Yeah, just be honest and be transparent. Yeah. Like, you know, you're not the enemy. It's not your fault. Mm-hmm. It's just a systematic problem that's been in place for decades. Right. But you can help us get there, right? So he, had he been there the same amount of time as you? exactly 12 years. We had both started the same year. Mm -hmm. And in fact, and I never really bring this up, but I had almost 10 years of local news experience prior. Right. So really more experience, Mm -hmm. but got there the same amount of years. Similar public profiles, you know, and, you know, we were at the time, you know, it was the joke was, oh, you're my TV wife and oh, you're my TV husband and we do this together. And so it was a very apples to apples situation for me. By the way, I've also said this, like, I wasn't like, pay me exactly down to the dime. It was just like the disparity was so huge that I was like, hold up. He's not like doubly famous or doubly more experienced or doubly anything. Like, this is wrong. In principle, this is this is bullshit because I was also new that I came in four hours earlier a day. I knew I had two kids. You know, it used to be pay the man more. He has a family at home. I had a family at home. Right. You had to pay the bills for your household. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, there are so many variables that go into how people get paid, and I understand that. But I also is very clear, having known the inner workings of where we worked and what we did, that this is, you know. not fair. It's, we're interchangeable, basically, Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. quote-unquote talent here. So, this is bullshit. And I thought, just pay me ballpark. My team and I, my agents were like, just get get me in the, in in the, the realm. realm of what is fair. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't even do that. So what did they say to you? Like, I, I just can't imagine anybody justifying mm-hmm. a no to yeah. that. Yeah. Well, in the end, I think the jump was so severe Mm -hmm. to go from what they were paying me to suddenly like almost doubling my pay. It just seemed like asinine to them. Right. And who does that even fall on? Maybe, maybe me, maybe my team for all those years being underpaid that catches up with you. Mm -hmm. I tell girls that people that all the time now I'm like, don't start out underpaid because the catch up is 
too huge. And each year you have to have those check-ins and you have yeah. to ask those hard questions yes, because absolutely. slowly but surely, just like you said, 10 years go by, you yeah. haven't had those hard conversations and all of a sudden you're in the dark and- You're in the dark. And yeah. you know, I think we as women, especially at least back then, it was always like, do your best. It'll pay off. Be a team player. Mm-hmm. It'll pay off. Work nights and weekends. It'll pay off. And women end up, especially mothers and, you know, doing it all, giving it all away. And then, you know, you're undervalued and mm-hmm. then it does catch up with you and mm-hmm. then you pay the price. So yeah, they just eventually, when I had a face-to-face conversation, I said, you know, just really what what was it? And, and they just said they were looking through a different lens than me. And there were some shifts going on at the network where, you know, I was kind of becoming you know, the face and or, you know, person driving the morning show, but I was still on at night. And so they tried to, in the press, they tried to say, oh, he's nights and she's morning. He's prime time. And there was no, it it was- No justification. It was just- They were just reaching its straws. Yeah. Yeah. But the beauty was that a lot of the the public kind of, I didn't even have to defend myself because people were like, I'm pretty sure I saw her on nights. I'm pretty sure I watched her on E-News all those years. So anyway, I like revisiting this story because I want to hopefully have, you know, some information for people to use and apply to their own lives. But mm-hmm. I also am getting to the point now where it's like, I don't want to just always be rehashing the e-story because it's, I feel I like, that. I don't want to be this like drum of like, I'm not bitching about it. I'm not like still holding on to tell the, the inner workings of this story. Yeah. But it is important and it's certainly played into everything I'm doing now in so many different ways. So it is, it's relevant on right. that level. I mean, I get that too, not wanting to rehash it and not wanting other people to think that you're like still bitter about it and whatever. But I do think that the larger message around it is so important and is so timely right now. So and much. that you are like the symbol to so many women out there that if you are not being treated fairly, that like you have the right to walk and you can like have a rebirth yeah, and do what you Survive. are doing now and yeah. like be your own boss and tell your own story and not mm-hmm. have to answer to someone because eventually you would have become resentful of them if you Completely. just stuck it out and rode their way, Completely. you know? And that's what so many people ask me. They're like, yeah. well, how did you decide? Yeah. Like when you knew they weren't going to pay, what are you going to do? And that's really so much of that because mind you, this was before even Time's Up was born. Right. So like I was kind of out on my own island figuring mm-hmm. out what to do and navigating mm-hmm. what to do. And and I did have two kids to feed. And like, so it wasn't like a decision I made lightly mm-hmm. at all. But namely what drives me as a woman to get up every day, like I am very purpose-driven and what I do has value and it, it has to have meaning and it has to be authentic. Mm-hmm. And I knew if I stayed, I can't fake it. I can't fake it, especially at my age, those lives I've lived. Like, there's no faking it anymore. Mm-hmm. I would have gone on there. I would have been bitter, to your point. Mm-hmm. I would have been resentful. I wouldn't have done as good a job. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't—nothing would have been good for me right. internally and for the viewers. You, you would have just, like, suffering, yeah. complete yeah. suffering. So yeah. it was, like, kind of the choice was made for me in that sense. Yeah. If I was really being true to myself, mm-hmm. it didn't make it any easier. It was still scary, I'm for sure. sure. I'm sure. Because then the other thing is, like, do I even tell people why I left? Because that was the other big thing. I could just go off the air. Bye. Thanks for 12 right. years. And then just kind of go, what's Start she doing next? New. Yeah. But, you know, I didn't know if anyone would even really notice or care. But I wrote, you know, my my little blog post on my website. And that was it. It just it spread like wildfire. I think it's really empowering that you did. And I think it's powerful. And I feel like people will always look to you as an example of someone that stood up for themselves. And now a word from our sponsor. All right. Hopefully— 
you guys who have been listening to me for a while have tried Four Sigmatic and loved it like I do. But if you haven't, you must. Four Sigmatic is a wellness company that mixes mushrooms and adaptogens with coffee, cacao, latte, protein powder, and edible skincare. Did you guys know that 64% of Americans drink coffee daily? That's the majority of us, you guys. 100% of us should actually be drinking Four Sigmatic Mushroom Coffee. It's really more than just coffee. It contains something called Lion's Mane, which is your brain's best friend. It supports focus, productivity, and creativity. So it's just really a perfect way to start your day. Fun fact, Lion's Mane mushrooms have long been used by the Buddhist monks to help with focus during meditation. Plus, it includes chaga, quote, the king of mushrooms. And chaga supports your immune system with antioxidant properties. We all know by now, hopefully, how good antioxidants are for us. You're probably thinking, does this coffee taste like mushrooms? Because I love my coffee and I don't want it to taste like mushrooms. Well, I can actually guarantee that it tastes just like regular coffee, not at all like mushrooms. It's made with 100% organic Arabica coffee beans. It has zero sugar, zero carbs, zero calories. It's organic, vegan, paleo, sugar-free, and dairy-free. So it really should work for all you guys out there. Plus, it only has half the amount of caffeine of regular coffee, so you don't really get that like jittery, weird crash after drinking it. So in conclusion, if you guys would like to try Four Sigmatic Coffee, you will get 15% off your Four Sigmatic order if you go to foursigmatic.com slash withwit or enter the code withwit at checkout. That is foursigmatic.com, F-O-U-R, S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash with wit to receive 15% off your order. And now back to our chat. You woke up the next morning not going Stayed to in bed for a month <laughs> no. to eat. And how, how did you begin to like figure it out? Figure it out. What you like, doing? What you doing? Yeah. I couldn't have no matter what, I couldn't have just jumped because financially I wasn't stable enough to just be like, oh, not have a plan. I obviously yeah. had somewhat of a plan. Mm-hmm. And thank goodness, one of the smartest things I did and what I always tell women to do is, you know, this whole side hustle business is real and it's a good idea. And whether or not you have something incredibly fruitful or not, you definitely should have something, especially if you work for a corporation. Like we're so disposable, all of us, no mm-hmm. matter how great at our jobs we are, no matter how many awards we've won, like business is business and we can all be cut, you know, Mm -hmm. on the turn of a dime. So I had built my blog and website, Mm thecatwalk.com, just enough that I knew, and also much like you, and I've heard your story about, you know, when you left after the fashion, you know, business, you're like, I got this social media thing. I need to grow this and I need to monetize this. I need my business. And I had enough of a, you know, an audience and a fan base to kind of grow that and monetize that. So my plan when I left is one, I'll grow the catwalk and two, I'll get another TV job. Like I have experience. I'm good at what I do. I'll go get a job somewhere else. But I woke up, it was far more emotional than I ever expected it to be. So I was definitely not in bed, but definitely in my pajamas for a while, just coming down from the physical side of being on TV for that many Mm -hmm. days and that many years in a row, and then not having to get up and do that. I mean, we didn't even go dark. Like Mm -hmm. some of these entertainment news shows go dark for a month or take the summer off or go dark for three weeks. We were in the regular news cycle of being on every single day for so many years. And so physically just not doing that 
was very hard on my system because I didn't even know how to like move through the day. It right. sounds crazy, but that no, was very true. All. I mean, it's the same thing when you're tired and you're go, go, go. Mm-hmm. You don't really feel tired. And then as soon as you sit down and you get in your car and you're driving, you're like, oh my God, I'm oh my crashing. Gosh, yeah. Crashing. So I can imagine how 12 yeah. years of working yeah. that hard and then all of a sudden. Yes. So yeah, that combined with just the emotion of it. Yeah. And, and then because it was like in the press a lot, I wasn't used to that. And then I was getting calls from the Washington Post and all these like CNN and they're like, sit down. Like 60 Minutes was calling. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Like I did not expect that. So it was stressful. And I was kind of like half grieving a death of like right. my friends and family. And it was uncomfortable. All that was going on, you know, and then it was time to get to work again. It was just like, I have to build. I have to build. What does this look like? Mm-hmm. And so I guess what really grew out of that season that I didn't expect was because I got so many wonderful responses from, I'm talking girls from 12 years old to 60, mm-hmm. you know, fight this fight for us, cat. Like you have a reach, you have a platform, you have a voice, you're a journalist, like don't not fight this fight. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't something I particularly signed up for. That wasn't my mission. I wasn't on this crusade, like I'm going to like be the poster child of equal pay. Mm-hmm. But then I just felt a real obligation to do that. So I was inspired by that. And I was like, okay, what can I do? Who can I align with? What brands can I align with? This is going to be my deal. And I'm going to happily carry this torch. So that wasn't the first year. It was really about a lot of panels, a lot of speaking, um, campaigns about negotiating, campaigns about, you know, why equal pay is important and just sharing my story for all the women who don't have a microphone in their mouth, Mm -hmm. right? Or for Mm -hmm. all the women who don't have the reach and positioning to really speak on the subject. So I learned a lot, to be honest. I mean, I tell everybody, I was like, I'm not pretending here. I didn't even know what day of the year equal pay day was, you know, right. the, the year before. Right. But this then is, it This wasn't like you. a passion project no. for you. No, you no, this no. is something that happened to you personally. Yeah. It's the same thing as my motherhood stuff. Like, I was never one of those people that was like dying to be a mom. And then I was like, I'm going to make my career all about being a mom. Yeah. But I struggled with my pregnancy and then you know, having the baby. And so that messaging then became my career. So I feel like we're similar in that way. And sometimes your social media following can really be like a reflection for you that you didn't know was there. Yeah, Like all of a sudden you become so valuable to these people. You didn't even know you had this value before. Right. And so that's what happened But don't you find, I'm so curious because the one thing I really love about exactly what you're describing is I didn't really plan for it, but when you are just sharing of yourself, there's so much integrity in that because Mm -hmm. it's so clear. It's such a like, you're like giving of yourself in in this way. Like you said, you don't necessarily plan for it. You don't know what's going to happen in a month from now. You don't know what season of your life you're going to be in, what phase you're going through with your baby, you know? But for me, I guess I all of this this sharing about my story and stuff, it feels really good because I feel really grounded and it's just like, this is it. This yes. is me, take me or leave me. But that's cool because it's like living your truth, you know? Totally. Um, and some people, like you said, they might love it. They might not, may not like it. And I'm, I am amazed by the people that seem to care. Mm-hmm. But I'm leaning into that. I think it's really important because it's people like you who actually are having genuine, real conversations as opposed to so many people who are like wannabes and trying to be really organic, Mm. but you can just see right through that. And so I always think like, I don't just film a YouTube video every week because I want to get the views and I want the engagement. Like I only will talk about something if I'm actually feeling it. And I feel like that's, it's just really important. And sometimes when you don't want to, and Timmy's like, you have to. Exactly. It's all about quality than quantity. 
And I think that's something that people who are trying to, you know, get into this biz should really think about. Like, Agreed. what are the real messages that mean something to them? Not like, what is it everybody else is going to connect with? Yeah, not just yeah. filling some void from some formula that you think the A, B, and C is going right. to get you success. Right. It really is like that digging and, and like operating out of meaningful meaningful stuff. It right. do, certainly does serve. And so then that, yes, served me towards, you know, building and learning. It's been a whole season. I'm, I'm on the other side of the camera now. Like mm-hmm. um, I have a couple TV things I've been working on forever. And you may know this more than me, but like I'm developing a show now for TNT. And so then you go to the other side of the business. So it used to just be like hire Kat because she's a journalist. And right. now it's like I'm executive producing and I'm creating shows and I'm trying to get those off the ground. And it takes forever. Ever. Forever. My husband's in the same business. Like, just to pitch an idea takes, like, three months to oh, get a meeting. Oh, yeah. It's, with yeah. one With one outlet this or one Netflix or one whatever. Very slow. It does move slow, but mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying it. I, I I love it. So, I, I've literally spent a year on one show in particular that I am cross fingers going to be able to announce at the end of the year. Um, But I love that side of it. And then the the whole naked thing, that was just like such a natural evolution of just my love of the interview. I mean, that's my favorite. You're so good at it. Well, thank you so much for being here. You're good way. I'm telling you, you. I'm I'm following you. You're like you're the podcast veteran compared to me. No, so, stop. um, yes, you guys, please listen to my podcast. Mm-hmm. It's called Naked, and Whitney is on, mm-hmm. and as are a lot of amazing, remarkable women who really do come and kind of open up and sometimes strip their clothes. So, <laughs> I hope everyone subscribes, and as you well know, rates and reviews as well. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That was of fun. Of course. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you loved this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I'd love to hear what you think and anything more or even less you'd want to hear about. Tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at Whitney E. Port, my website, WhitneyPort.com, and my YouTube channel, Whitney Port. Peace in the streets.